0: I wanted to have my phone ring as least as possible. So every time right. my phone would ring with a question, I'd be like, what can I build into this CRM so that people have this information they don't have to ask me, right? And especially like realtors on the deal, like they need updates. They need to know what's going on. They don't need a full detailed report of what's going on, but they need to know. appraisal's ordered, appraisal signed off, lawyers instructed. If you can send like these short emails that automatically go to them at different stages... They feel really cared about, but they don't call you and ask you what's going on with their client.
1: The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Finish up Denise LaFamboise. Denise is a mortgage broker based out of Whitby, Ontario. and I've known her for probably seven years, and... On this episode, we talk about how to scale your mortgage business, and Denise came from a background in healthcare and rapidly built a fantastic business and was able to do it in a way that, in my opinion, has been very difficult for a lot of people to do, which is still have a life. She's got three kids. And so a couple of things we talk about is why she thinks her CRM is her first employee, when you should hire, so we talk about that, and even things you should be hiring first. And then finally, we actually dive into some tactics about how to actually make your business more efficient. Denise was and is a coach at 10 Lones a Month Academy and coached on process and is fantastic. I think you're gonna enjoy this episode. Hey, before we jump into that, I wanna give a shout out to our title sponsor Finmo. Finmo's a Canadian mortgage application, document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers and brokers. Very easy to use, it's got some cool features. It connects with Zapier so you can do automations. It's connected to Lender Spotlight so you can search rates and guidelines. And it's got a portal for uploading documents for your clients to make it really easy for you to review and for them to send them to securely. You can check them out at lendesk.com finmo. Check out this conversation with Denise. Hey, Denise, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: So, hey, what I want to chat with you about today is how you successfully built a scalable mortgage business where you were able to have part-time help and you're able to have a life and you scaled it very rapidly from your previous you know, getting in the industry, I think, seven years ago or something. So maybe just before we get into that, tell me a little bit about your background briefly. Who are you and when did you get in the mortgage business before we get into specifically some of the things you did that helped you scale?
0: Okay, so Denise LaFranquise, I'm outside of uh, Toronto, Whippy, and I was in healthcare for 15 years, had a 15-year career in healthcare as x-ray and CT tech, worked in a hospital. I also worked for a big company, like, General Electric and was doing a lot of teaching. I went into professional practice and then I had three children and did not have a lifestyle that was conducive to having three children and working the hours I was working. So I um, came to find mortgage brokering to uh, find some work-life balance because that's why everybody comes into this industry.
1: And then you become successful and it's hard to keep it. Right. Like,
0: uh, yeah, well, I do all the things that you're trained to do. You get like, do the things to get busy and then you get busy. And then you're like, oh my gosh, now what do I do now? I'm too busy. And then found myself in the same place again, where I was working too much and not seeing my kids and all of that stuff. So I sought out some advice and coaching and figured out how to create a business that was more sustainable for, you know, having a balance with making sure that the clients were looked after and got responses all the time and got everything they need, as well as being able to be there for my family.
1: So if you think back to when you first, you got into this, the idea was, okay, I want to have work-life balance what were some of the steps that you took specifically that in order to kind of figure that out? Because it's not like you, they teach this in the mortgage course. I mean, they don't really teach a whole lot in the mortgage licensing course, but so how did you figure this out? And so what were the things that you did?
0: Even from day one, I started with a friend. So my friend, Nicolae, and I took the course together, both got licensed at the same time with the idea that we could cover for each other because I wasn't going to be available all the time and she wasn't going to be available all the time. So and we also were really adamant about learning. So we felt that if we were sharing everything we learned together, that we would learn twice as fast because we'd have twice as many deals to learn.
1: Right. Okay. And then, so has Nikoli worked with you the whole time? Like,
0: Yeah. We've been thickest thieves forever since that.
1: Right. Okay. So what kind of things did you do to figure this out? Because I know you have a degree in economics and you also have a master's in leadership, which I actually just discovered Ooh. recently, which is kind of funny, but <laughs> in any case, So those things can help, but again, they don't translate directly into building a, a scalable business. So let's do it this way. If you were coaching somebody right now, you're sitting across the table from a young Denise who's got these kids and you have built a fantastic business. What will be the things that you tell her to do in order to be able to kind of replicate what you did or to save her some time?
0: Systems from day one systems, right? So writing down what you do, writing down, having... A policy and procedure manual, which maybe seems like overkill when you have one person, but we all wait too long to hire every Mm -hmm. single time. And having everything that you do written down helps you train somebody faster or helps you remind you what you need to train somebody on. I always... Relied on coaching, right? So I I did a lot of coaching with you. I did a lot of coaching with people that work with mortgage brokers and also outside of the industry. Just yeah, really different coaching, with, like
1: real estate people too, right? Like, so tell mm-hmm. me, what, what did you pick up from that? Because you took some. I think your name is Kathleen Black. Is that right? right? Yeah,
0: Kathleen Black. So uh, they have a coaching program for real estate agents, but part of what they do is they train people how to build those real estate teams where the person's on the sign, but nobody ever talks to the person on the sign, right? And I was like, nobody in the mortgage business seems to be doing that. And that looks really cool because I need people to be looked after and get great service, but maybe I don't always need to be the person doing that. So part of what I learned there was, well, a lot of just figuring out who the right people are to do what parts of the job and really chunking it down. So in my business now, there's myself and Nick Lee and then two other part-time people. And so figuring out what they can do to fill the gaps and what they're best served for. Because if you can find somebody who's really good at one thing or a couple things, they might be really good at documents or they might be really good at being on the phone with people or keeping a really detailed database, right? Finding the right people to do each thing allows us to be able to better serve people.
1: Right. So it all starts with step one is write everything down. So like your customer journey from end to end. And then from there, you can start to figure out, okay which things am I going to hand off to people? Whether it's like, you know, which part of the task document collection or follow ups? I
0: would say my very first employee was like still to this day, the best employee was my CRM, like having a really good CRM. And there's lots of good ones out there and really being able to customize it to be you. Because um, whatever system you have, but having those emails sound like you or now upgrading everything so that there's videos going out from you, you don't have to be the one sending those videos. But like a CRM does not cost you as much as an employee a year. And it does everything you tell it to do at the exact time you tell it to do forever.
1: Right. your CRM is your first employee. So and you're great at building systems in terms of automations, using video communications at specific stages, of the loan process, right? So that would be one of the ways your employee, I'm using quotation marks, yeah. your CRM. Well, and I
0: mean, that say- came from, uh, I wanted to have my phone ring as least as possible. So every time right. my phone would ring with a question, I'd be like, what can I build into this CRM so that people have this information they don't have to ask me, right? And especially like realtors on the deal, like they need updates. They need to know what's going on. They don't need a full detailed report of what's going on, but they need to know, appraisal's ordered. So signed off, lawyers instructed. If you can send like these short emails that automatically go to them at different stages, they feel really cared about, but they don't call you and ask you what's going on with their client.
1: They just want to know what's going. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a good point. And I know you've got actually gotten business from people from that, like literally that would see your communication, your automated communication that you're sitting around by your pool and it's getting sent out automatically, and they're like, "Wow, the communication's fantastic." And you're like, yeah, "Ask me dude. another margarita."
0: Right. Listing listing agents, right? Like listing agents that we send like just a few updates because like you can only send them so much, but reaching out and connecting us with clients because the people they were working with on their buyers were not giving as many updates as we were giving on a listing they had.
1: So if you think of the CRM as your first employee, what things would you look for as like non-negotiables in the CRM for you? If you had to make a list of two or three things that you're like, okay, if I was looking, because there are lots of different tools and I always say choosing a CRM is like choosing somebody else's boyfriend or girlfriend. It's it's not easy that you don't want it to prescribe it. So you have to use this, but like what would be the two or three things that you look for, I guess, when you looked at a CRM?
0: So for me, the only thing I looked for was that it was customizable and that there was somebody that was an expert that I could hire to do that. That was the only thing I cared about because at the end of the day, I don't get paid to learn a CRM and build it. I get paid to do mortgages. So if I could keep doing mortgages and somebody who is way better at a system can take a look at it and figure out how to do that for me, that was the best way. So if I have an email I want to add in or something, or I want to change something like email and Probably within an hour, it's done. And I don't have to think about
1: it. Too many mortgage brokers think that they have to learn that part of the job and then spend so much time learning a tool that really someone else could manage for them. And that person functions as an employee as well because they're a contractor. You just pay for time or pay for whatever. And then it's done and you don't have to do it. You're right. You're better off to go find a couple of deals or a deal and you're more than pay for. The cost of all of the stuff that they're building for you.
0: Well, or even if you do want to go, that we want to build it ourselves, or we want to be in control of it in-house. Like, have an assistant do that. Have an assistant learn it and tell you what you need to know, and keep detailed notes about how to do it. Because, like, you need to do the the business building activities. Like, you need to do the stuff that keeps money coming in the door, so that everybody gets paid.
1: So you talked about most people wait to hire. What's the warning signs that somebody should be hiring or they're probably waiting too long?
0: Well, I would say when you start giving up your personal time, right? So for me, it was I'm picking up calls in the evenings instead of being with my family. I'm, you know, stressed about going on vacation because I'm worried what will happen while I'm gone. Or I'm, you know, taking my computer and on a cruise ship, like looking at deals, like it's too late. And I mean, it doesn't have to be a full hire. like, I think people are always nervous about like taking on a full salary. Like maybe it's somebody part-time. Maybe it's somebody you share with somebody else. I mean- for Nicely and I, like we had our own separate businesses and how this eventually evolved was because I was like, I need help on deals. Do you have a few minutes? And she was like, yeah, I'll jump in and underwrite some stuff and talk to some people. And she, you know, knew all the stuff I knew and could speak to my clients the same way I could. So it was us relying on each other, not necessarily, you know, having an employee right away.
1: So you didn't initially, you guys, you did it together, but you weren't building your own separate businesses, correct?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: And then one thing you said to me before, which I thought I'd heard you say before, was that your first hire was actually not even a, a mortgage employee. It was like getting rid of things like cutting your lawn and cleaner and stuff. So maybe touch yeah, on that, yeah. because that's something that I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize that that's buying back your personal time, right? Not just your work time, but now you you finished work, but now you've got all this other stuff that you have to do. And you're like, oh, my gosh, why am I doing this?
0: Well, and every time I looked at hiring, like say you had, you know, 10 million, 15 million, 20 million, 25 million, and you're by yourself and you think, okay, I'm going to hire an assistant, but like, then I'm going home to like clean, like it's way cheaper and easier to replace somebody who's going to clean your house or do your laundry or cook for you or do your grocery shopping. Like, you know, don't know when the last time I, w- I was in a grocery store was like, Instacart is my best friend and I, you know, it doesn't like. So
1: essentially Instacart is like your your personal shopper in a way, like just like your CRM is your first employee. Instacart was your way to, okay, I don't want to go stand, go to the grocery store when I could be doing family time basically.
0: Yeah. I have a laundry service that I like fill up these bins and put them on the porch and, on Tuesday and they come back on Thursday all folded Marie Kondo style. Like, why would I spend my time doing my laundry if I could do mortgages? Cause I don't like doing laundry. If you like doing laundry, that's a different
1: thing, but I don't. So I just okay. <laughs> I, I don't I'm not a laundry, but I did the other day. I had a fitted sheet that was driving me crazy. I'm like, I'm gonna try to fold this properly. And I watched the video and I was so happy with my I'm like, it looks pretty good. Like normally it looks like somebody wrestled into a ball and I have this a little bit of like I was able to fold a fitted sheet and Thank you, YouTube. But yes, I agree. As a full-time professional all the time, no, it's not something that it would be like brings me, it wouldn't bring me joy either.
0: Yeah, Um, I do think that there's things that we do in our daily lives that if you really like look at your life, there's things that you could hire out that you don't want to do anyways. I mean, that really came from like that first course I ever took with you. We took our customer journey and we wrote it out and we highlighted all the things only we could do. And then the rest of the stuff made like a job description for the next person but I just kind of did that with my whole life, right? right? Like, is there somebody else who can drive my kids to a sport? I'll still go to some of them, but I don't need to go to everything.
1: So how did you do that? What was your solution there?
0: For sports?
1: Yeah. So like, if it's something you weren't driving to or whatever, how have you been able to like, not always have to do that if it didn't make sense?
0: Oh, I have a magical human called my sister who will like drive my kids to things or pick them up. Like it didn't have to be my sister. It could have been your parent or neighbor or a nanny. Right, or right. Whoever.
1: You basically made a plan for that. I kind of do those. My So my cars need to get serviced periodically. And it's a pain. It's across town. You got to get there, get back. And so it's the one thing my dad always does for me is like, I always arrange his, hey, dad, because he's retired. He's like, yeah, I'll go take your car in. And he runs my car there and stuff. And so it's kind of like uh, one of those tasks that I really appreciate that he does. you know. And then it's also because it would be an hour and a half or two out of my day to figure out what to do with this, get these cars service. So yeah,
0: when I um I had three kids at home with me when I was on leave, and I found a dealership that would come pick up my car and then drop it back off, because it was such a pain to like go there, move three car seats because my kids are close in age and then like move them into the shuttle and then have them shuttle back. And they were like, do you want us to just come pick up your car? Yes. Yes, I do.
1: They're like, and we just, don't want your kids in our car. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: I did like, it was such an ordeal for me, even to go to the doctor's office. Like we have a doctor service here where we call and the doctor comes to our house. I don't have to right. make an appointment and drive there and drag everybody there. Like somebody can come to us.
1: Right. Right. I think you're so good at building processes. I like how you've taken the idea of a customer journey and applied it to your life. And it's just like in your business, you're thinking about what things are only I can do and are profitable. But in your life, it's like what things are going to suck my energy or take up my time so that I can't be present.
0: Yeah. Well, if you think about you work hard and then you come home and you're like excited to see your family, but you're like cleaning and doing meal prep and stuff. And running
1: to the grocery store and all the other stuff. That's
0: not quality time. Like... Mm -hmm. I want to be shooting them with Nerf guns and playing in the pool.
1: Like, right, right. That's really good. Or doing fruit Ninja in the backyard with oh game. <laughs> anyway, that's, oh my God. So obviously your CRM is your first hire. The second thing you started doing was apply that same model to your personal life as well as your business. What was kind of the next thing evolution for you to be able to continue to scale and grow?
0: So then my next hire was somebody took a lot of the client experience stuff off my plate. So not anybody with mortgage experience, but a really efficient, really, really detail oriented person that I hired. And so she did client experience, like sending out thank you gifts and like just all the things that I never got to, or I wasn't doing on time. And then I eventually trained her on documents. So she was doing all the documents for me, collecting documents and doing fulfillment.
1: And so you had two part-time people. So why two part-time versus one full-time? What was your thinking there?
0: So originally I had one part-time person and it was just uh, because I, when I left healthcare, there was nothing that suited my life, right? There was nothing that I could have three kids and I could get them on the bus and off the bus and go to the sports things I wanted to go to and still have like a job that was meaningful, that paid well, that made me feel good about what I was doing. So I really just wanted to create that for other people so my first hire was a mom of three kids who picked her own hours, but was super efficient inside those hours, but was able to have like a job right. inside her life instead of a life that operates around your job. So then the second person I hired was the same. She was like going to school. So she would go to school and then work at night, which was amazing because I would come in in the morning and all the emails have been dealt with because mm-hmm. she's working at night. But like, why do I care? when something happens or when something gets done, I don't, as long as it gets done, if it works for you, we're all happy.
1: We all win. Okay. So there's some other tactical things that you've done found to be very clever. We're talking about the one inbox idea. That's one of the things that has also helped you be efficient.
0: Yeah. So when it was just me and my first employee, it was really easy for me to just forward stuff to her and say, Hey, do this, do this. When the second person came on and then the third person came on, it was a waste of time for me to forward something to three people and say who needs this or can somebody do this whoever's got time right now and then maybe somebody wasn't even working then they've got to go through their inbox and go hey did somebody do this and it's just a bunch of back and forth it breaks a either. lot of noise
1: if a lot of people see a message that only one of them needs to see basically but
0: mm-hmm. yeah. so I have a really great IT guy and his background was that he was at uh, like an engineer, like doing efficiency at UPS before he opened his own business. And I took it for coffee and said, I feel like I spend my whole life forwarding emails now. Like I know it's great to have a team of people helping me, but if I'm not there to forward the emails, like they don't get dealt with. This is a disaster. And he's like, Yeah, that's a disaster. You shouldn't be working like that. So, this was all his brainchild to be like, No, no, you need one inbox. So, we switched to the experts at LaFrameWestMortgage.ca inbox, and everything goes into there, every communication, everything comes out of there. So, everybody can see what's just happened. If a client gives me a call and says, Hey, I want to know what's going on with my file, I can look in the send folder and see everything they've been sent. So, it allowed us to really not have to forward any emails. And then inside that email system, it can be very smart because it can automatically put stuff in folders. So all the receipts sheets you get can just automatically go into a folder that you can tag people. So if there's something only I can deal with, I can be tagged. Like If somebody's dealing with something, they can tag it so that you can see what everybody is working on. But it's it's a lot more efficient way to operate. And then it prevented any of that like drag of stuff being in people's inboxes. Cause say like I ordered an appraisal and then I took tomorrow off and the appraiser's responding in my inbox saying, hey, like, can you connect me with that client now? We're ready to go. And nobody's getting that until I'm back. Whereas now it all goes into a shared inbox and anybody can deal with it. Who's capable of it.
1: Yeah. That's a fantastic idea. The other thing that I know you do a good job of is pushing people down a single path. So they're not sending you texts and DMS and Facebook messenger stuff. So talk about how you keep people. You got this one inbox, you got this one path that you push people on so that you can properly create a good experience. Talk to me about that.
0: Well, so, I mean, people find you everywhere, right? So they'll text you or they'll like, Find you on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. And anywhere that they send a message, like publicly, usually they'll get a response back that says, Hey, I'm not usually on social media during the day. If you want a faster response, call the office or email here. We have a VoIP phone system that we use. So they can call the office. That's the phone number that's on everything. That's the phone number I give out.
1: You have one phone number too. For that, that yeah, anybody...
0: very few people have my actual cell phone number, but like my office phone number is what we've given out forever on everything, on every pen and website and whatever is there. If somebody calls there and they leave a message, the message automatically goes as an attachment into the inbox. So it's just another thing to deal it with. It still pushes so,
1: It still pushes into the inbox. Mm-hmm. Even the phone calls go into the inbox. Instead of having to, yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah. So between that and our CRM, like that's really the only places we live. The odd person will send me a text. Even then I just screenshot it and send it to the inbox. Right. Right. We don't respond to people by text and WhatsApp and stuff. And it's just more efficient. And really for them, if you send me a text and I'm out with my kids somewhere, I will forget when I get Mm -hmm. to the office on Monday, I will forget If it's in the place where we work, I will never forget it.
1: So we kind of have a theme here. You got the one inbox, one phone number, you got the one path that you push everybody through. And now you also, you've built your business around one client type primarily. I mean, you work with other types of clients. So talk to me about your niche that you guys have figured out that you really like working with and that you, I mean, you guys are still flat out busy, even in the current, most people are down 40% and you guys are still going, you know, going gangbusters. Talk to me what that avatar is and why you chose them.
0: Uh, self employed people all day, every day, self employed people. You know, why? I think they're really underserved. I think they're underserved by their banks. I think they're underserved by a lot of brokers. There's a lot of people out there. You were one that you would say, I only do a business. I remember you saying yeah. that all the time, right? I only do lazy, a business. Though. I, right?
1: That was not easy, though. That was not easy.
0: Right. But the, yeah. to me, like the self-employed people aren't always B business, right? 76% of our mortgages were on the A side last year, even though 55% of our clients were self-employed, right? Right. So there's a lot of niche products and stuff that you can take a look at, or just even understanding how self-employed finances work. And it's a really great thing to do, even just to understand your own business.
1: Right. Actually, if- were to get back into mortgages tomorrow, self that we one niche that I'm quite because I do love talking to people. Self, I don't care what business they have. I, I met a guy who owns like a he basically has a like a tropical tree business here in Kelowna that he brings to your house for the summer. You put your lemon tree on your pool deck, and then he comes picks up in the winter, and you pay for like it's like a subscription service for plants. I'm like, it's so this cool. business is amazing, and so I love talking to self employed people, and so I I definitely would now. I'm at the stage where I would for sure go after the business for self clients because. And they're not fighting you on rate. They're just like, they're solution focused. They're looking for you to solve problems.
0: Well, and I think you speak the same language and they understand being self-employed. So I do find there's an element of like a lot of self-employed people will say to you, like, I don't want you to waste your time. Like they're very conscious of your time because they're very conscious of their own time. Right. Which I think is just really nice we kind of fell into self-employed kind of accidentally. And then we just really liked the client. So, and it just naturally progressed. But what we found over time was just self-employed people are used to hunting for business. They're used to going places to network and they're used to referring people. And, we just found that they preferred so much more than other clients. And it wasn't because their clients weren't having a great experience. It was because like when I was an employee at the hospital, no one ever said to me, hey, who's your accountant? Who's your mortgage broker? Like this was not a regular conversation. Whereas self-employed people, everybody is like, who do you use for IT? What do you do for this? Like, who do you use as a bookkeeper? Like, what bank do you bank with for your business banking? Like, how do you, are you incorporated? Do you have a holding company? Like, this is a regular conversation with self-employed people all the time.
1: Right. And. You guys have created a course around this. This just ties right into, see how I did that? One, 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 one avatar. So, where can people find about, about your course, your business for self course? So, because you guys are so, you're very good at this. I know like Jim Treluca sends you guys referrals because it's not his niche. He just likes the million and a half mortgages for prime. <laughs> right.
0: But,
1: so, where do people find this if they're interested to check it out?
0: You can go to bfsbootcamp.ca. Uh, so, that's where it's hosted. Ryan's actually hosting it for us now in 10 months a month, which is really great because we're not. IT people and we're not like good at setting up courses. So he's setting it all up for us. So that is uh, where you can find that.
1: Something I noticed about you. So first off, you're like, hey, my CRM is my first employee and I'm only getting one if somebody else can do the work of making it do what I want to do. you got the IT guy who sets up your whole back office in terms of communication and stuff. You didn't do it yourself, right? Same thing with this. You stick to what you know best and what makes you money, which is solving clients' problems, especially self-employed clients. And that's how you are able to like grow up such a great business. So
0: that's how um, we built our business, right? We do mortgages. We do mortgages really, really well. We know tons of stuff about mortgages. If you have questions about other things, life insurance, financial planning, whatever, we'll connect you with someone we think is really great at that. Like master one thing really, really well. It's not the only way to build a business, but it's just how we chose to build ours.
1: It's certainly more peaceful because you're not having to try to do 50 things right so that's awesome well thanks for chatting with Denise and sure to check out the course bfsbootcamp.ca thanks
0: hey
1: thanks again for listening to this episode and hopefully you got some ideas and inspiration on how Denise has built a scalable business if you haven't had a chance you can go back and check out previous episode where I talked to her about how she's come on to as her chief of operations and you can see just some of the stuff that she's learn from building a successful brokerage at a larger scale with the brokerage. So I'm excited about that. Check that out. Thanks again for listening to the show. And if you want to get access to all of our you know, recordings and be able to search them all, go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com and you can set up a free account. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.